Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. As always, this is your host, Mitch Friedman, joined as of last episode, we talked about the abuse or disgrace of the word grace uh, in the church. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about another word that's actually a characteristic attribute of God himself and how we are misunderstanding that word. The Pinocchio Project, our goal is to examine everyday ideas that promise flourishing, run them through a biblical grid, and see if they're actually reliable to the keeping of their promises. And today I want to uh, go all the way back to our first few episodes when we discussed the importance of developing a biblical worldview. And we talked about two responsibilities uh, of the believer uh, as far as the use of our minds in examining ideas. Uh, The first of those responsibilities is to be proactive in taking ideas captive, and that comes from uh, directly, well, the renewing of our mind is is something that's sown all through the New Testament as our responsibility. But in this particular understanding, as we are to examine ideas and arguments, uh, we look directly at Paul's second letter to the Corinthians uh, in what we know as chapter 10 and verse 5. Paul talks about our responsibility to demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive. This is warfare language, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that is our proactive responsibility to demolish arguments and every pretension setting themselves up against the knowledge of God, taking captive every thought or idea and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, The second responsibility as to the war of ideas is to make sure we are not captured by the enemy. We are not taken captive. And we see that directly in Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So you see both in 2 Corinthians 10 and Colossians 2, 8, the reference point is Christ. The reference point is always Christ. And so the more I know of Christ, the more I know of his teaching, the more I'm committed to using the spiritual power he's given me to live a life of faithful obedience, the less likely I am to be taken captive and the more equipped I am to take captive uh, these arguments and these ideas that promise flourishing. And today uh, in our theme, you keep using that word. uh, There is a word that has crept into the church's life that is being misused. Uh, We have not done a good job in taking this thought captive uh, as it comes to us from culture. And we've done a really good job in a lot of cases of being taken captive and going along with the cultural Kool-Aid. And the word that we keep using and using inappropriately in our current day is the word justice. Now, justice is a great word. Justice is a biblical word. Justice is actually an attribute of God. Justice is something that God is, just like we talked about in our last episode, that Jesus Christ literally is the person. He is grace. Uh, justice is an attribute of God himself. So using, using words to describe God, we see words like love. We see words like 
justice. We see uh, words like omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence. And so justice belongs in that package. And we as believers are to live justly. And I'm going to use as our foundational text. And again, these things are woven all through uh, both the Hebrew text, what you would call the Old Testament, and also the New Testament. But I'm going to use a uh, Hebrew a Hebrew scripture or Old Testament foundation here uh, from Micah, the prophet Micah, uh, verse 8 of chapter 6. And this is how it reads. He, that's God, has shown you, O mortal man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? And this is it simply to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So I'm using this as just sort of our exemplar or foundational passage. But if you look again throughout the Hebrew scripture and the New Testament, you will see God in his representative character insisting that those who claim his name, his people actually emulate his characteristics in their daily walk, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. So justice is something that we are responsible for. And we are responsible for it in the ways appropriate to how God has ordered creation and how he has now provided for us everything we need for flourishing as individuals, as couples, as families, and as cultures. What has crept in over the last several years, based on what I would say uh, is a fomenting or simmering undercurrent of injustices done for decades and even centuries, uh, is this sort of now distilled idea of justice uh, that uh, I think comes from an honest place of, of frustration, but is actually miscast as to God's best plan for how believers are to live together and then how believers are to relate to a world in need of godly justice. And so what I want to do, this is going to be a two-parter, uh, this discussion of justice. Uh, I want to break down what's commonly accepted uh, as the two, I would call, sides of the justice coin. So, so if justice was a coin, uh, there are two equal uh, and yet opposite aspects of justice. And today we're going to look at the side of the coin that I would say is called retributive justice, retributive justice. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to think about uh, this, these classic definitions of justice, and we are going to examine how those are being applied first in culture, and then if wrongly applied in culture, uh, how is it that the church has decided to adopt these poor ideas about justice? So retributive justice, the root word here is retribution. And I'm going to give you a minute to think about what retribution means. Have an idea? So retributive justice rooted in the word retribution is the proper response to immoral or criminal behavior that focuses on punishment of the wrongdoers and the compensation of victims. In general, the severity of the punishment is proportionate to the seriousness of the wrongdoing. So retributive justice is a direct response to immoral or criminal behavior, focusing on punishing wrongdoers and compensating victims of the wrongdoer. And then uh, this, this co-equal or proportional principle is uh, the severity of the punishment and compensation is, a, is proportionate to the seriousness of the wrongdoing. And so as we watched our cities burning up uh, over the last few years over obvious injustices, 
in some cases, and I would say hopefully isolated, uh, all kind of cries that, that reach beyond the historical moment of the injustice way back into decades or centuries past, trying to assign wrongdoing and punishment uh, in, in a way that's not necessarily accurate, honest, and certainly not biblical. And so when we, when we start drinking the Kool-Aid of what I would call the social justice movement, uh, wrongly ascribed to the Bible, uh, what we end up doing is this, and what we keep, how we keep using this word uh, when it comes to retribution. Uh, we end up assigning wrongdoing, actual or perceived, and the punishment for those wrongdoings to groups of people. This is important. We end up assigning wrongdoing, actual or perceived, and the punishment for those wrongdoings to groups and not individuals. And from a historical perspective, we assign wrongdoing, actual, perceived, done to these groups by the people in history that are representative of the groups themselves. So, for example, you all know, I'm just plain language, uh, the, the, the white privilege uh, package that we're now uh, being told is something that's now perpetuated to the detriment of culture and particularly uh, people of color. The white folk of today are now assigned the wrongdoing of the perceived or actual wrongdoing of the group white people in history. So I'm a wrongdoer today because of the group I'm in. And I'm responsible for the wrongdoing done by my group in history. And that is patently, that, that's like trying to, uh, to get your arms around a uh, squirmy marlin that you just landed on the boat. You're never going to get a hold of it, and it's going to end up wrecking the actual vessel. And if, if you look at it from a biblical perspective, uh, any assignment of wrongdoing to, to entire groups to the exclusion of other groups this group is a wrongdoer or sinners, if you will, and this group is innocent, actually violates the, the principles of biblical anthropology, what it means to be human. Unfortunately, created in perfection or, or innocence, all of us now, because of the fall, are in a, a group as a whole. We are in Adam. We are all sinners. And so to, to start a conversation of, of retribution or assignment of wrongdoing and punishment uh, by, by separating groups from the whole of all of us in Adam, we've already started in the wrong direction. And so many churches have, haven't really done even this basic level of thinking at, at, the, at the most important sub-level. That is the most important first principle of human anthropology Literally, what it means to be human, unfortunately, is that we are all now affected and behaving according to our father, Adam, meaning we are in sin. We discussed this, this principle a little bit in our previous episode from Romans chapter 5. Just as in Adam, all sin, what's that word I used? All. And as a result of sin, all die. Uh, we are now cast as this, we are in solidarity, if you will. Unfortunately, all as sinners. And I don't want to keep beating this too hard, but I want to make it clear. Any conversation about justice that starts with separating groups from the whole of all of us in Adam is always going to go in the wrong direction. So when we use this word justice in a retributive way, 
and assign wrongdoing, actual or perceived, to groups and not individuals. And we can hold those same groups and not not individuals in history. We can hold us as a group responsible today for wrongdoings of that same group in history. Uh, We have just created a scenario that is untenable. And let me give you an example of that. Most of you probably don't know me. I don't know. Maybe you do. But if you looked at me and you were you were operating in this retributive sense, uh, you would see me as a prototypical white man. And you would say, this man is enjoying white privilege. And he's not even aware of his whiteness because he is suffering from white fragility. And if I was going to carry this argument, which I won't because it's nonsensical, if I was going to carry this argument forward, I would start at the headwaters and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. People who I come from, my lineage, my tribe, my group, are in history part of a movement that slaughtered six million of us in a bad idea. It was called Aryan supremacy. Maybe you've heard of it. Not white supremacy, Aryan supremacy. And that was the Nazi initiative to eradicate all of the non-Aryans from the face of the earth, starting with the Jewish people. You see, I am a Jew. And I literally have relatives that died in the Holocaust. So I'm just one example of someone who you would target. And if I was going to carry this conversation forward, I could switch the script. I could flip it and say, oh, no, I'm one of the ones who needs to have reparations. I'm, the one, I'm one of the ones who needs to be understood as a victim and being oppressed. And I literally watched my dad experience anti-Semitism uh, in my life with him. I, I, I've never been called a dirty Jew or never been denied access or employment, but my dad was. And so... If you hear me getting worked up, you, you can you can sense that, that, that this is a ludicrous argument. I don't know if I should go here, but okay, I'm going here. I don't know if you subscribe to the Babylon Bee. Uh, the Babylon Bee is famous for doing satire and memes on uh, things that, that uh, torment Christians, bad ideas from within the church, bad ideas that the church is uh, drinking as cultural Kool-Aid. Uh, but along these lines, uh, about six months ago, there was the daily meme from the Babylon Bee where they had a picture of a man who was obviously, I would say, multiracial. He, he was light skinned and you could see and we all we all know uh, I look multiracial. I got a really big nose. So, you know, I'm a Jew if you want to go there. Uh, but but there was a picture of this guy, just this you know, well-dressed guy, good looking guy. And the headline said. Biracial man confused as court orders him to pay reparations. And I was like, that is so funny and so cutting and so true at the same time if you follow this argument to its ludicrous conclusion. And so what I wanted to do today was discuss the retributive side of the justice coin. And just finally, as we sign off, remind you, That any time you assign responsibility for wrongdoing to an entire group of people and then exclude all the other groups as being innocent, or if you want to say it in biblical terms, if you assign sin and evil to one group without 
acknowledging the sinfulness and evil of the other groups, then you have automatically violated biblical principles of all of us being in Adam. And you have now actually, in a tragic way, excluded the people who you say are without evil or without sin. You've excluded them from the need for a savior. And so therefore, that, that kind of thinking is just another tendril toward the ludicrous. Because if you know your biblical anthropology, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all now have access to the beautiful grace of God known as Jesus Christ. And just a final word before I sign off. This is some study you can do on your own. If you look at Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2, starting in verse 11, you will see uh, Paul's conversation along these lines where he lets the church know that she has been now integrated into one, the Jews and the non-Jews. So that's everybody integrated into one through Christ and brought to the foot of the cross for reconciliation with each other and then elevated together as this new humanity to God for absolute reconciliation and forgiveness. So the church of all people should be the ones who are poor demonstrating uh, this, this command in Micah 6, 8, that we are the ones to practice justice, that we are the ones to love mercy and, and extend it and to maintain a posture of humility, not outright anger and assignment of wrongdoing to these, I would say, actual or perceived group injustices. Because in, in reality, there is no group injustice. There's only individuals who are in desperate need of a gracious Savior. And now, through Christ, every ethnicity has been brought together, reconciled to each other at the cross, and then raised for reconciliation and forgiveness as a new humanity through Christ, now with the Father. Next time, we'll look at the second side of the coin, distributive justice, how justice is to be distributed throughout culture, throughout civilizations. Until then, Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. For The Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman, signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on The Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.